Transmitting from the lovely little city of Taylor, Texas, you are listening to Plow and Hose, a show dedicated to the joys and challenges of organic backyard gardening in Central Texas. I am your host, Julie Rydell. Welcome to the show. Hi, welcome to Plow and Hose, plant friends. Thank you for joining me in my backyard today. It's been kind of a funny week for me, um, weather-wise. We've definitely had plenty of interesting Texas spring weather so far in April. We've had temperatures that have been just all over the place. Last week, we got up to 90 degrees, I think, and this morning when I woke up, it was in the upper 40s. We also had a pretty awesome thunderstorm that rolled through and it brought us some greatly needed rain in Central Texas. Here in Taylor, we didn't get any hail like some of our neighboring communities got. They got like golf ball sized hail. Somehow Taylor managed to avoid all that mess. It's amazing, but it kind of got me thinking, you know, can weather be moody because it sure seems moody. I don't know. Maybe I'm just projecting. Anyway, I am glad we got that good drench too because my car has been absolutely covered in a gross layer of yellow pollen from all the oak and the pecan trees around town. I just kept putting off getting my car washed, hoping that I would get like a free car wash. And sure enough, we got one. It wasn't the best one, but at least I didn't have to pay for it. My car is not yellow anymore. This rain was really good for rinsing out all the pollen in the air too. And I'm optimistic that everyone with pollen allergies will start um, start feeling better now that it's all out of the air. Plus... We also got free garden water. Yay! Uh, plants just love that rainwater. They look so refreshed after a good rain. But what's so great about rainwater? Is it really that much better than water from the hose? Well, it is. Besides being completely free, which I love, I love free stuff. Rainwater is free of salts, minerals, chlorine, and all other water treatment um, plant chemicals that are found in tap water. It's also slightly acidic, which makes it really great for our blackland um, prairie soil that we have out here in our part of central Texas. That black dirt is really alkaline. So the slightly acidic rainwater helps offset the natural alkalinity of our soil. And plants just love a more neutral soil, and they really thrive when we get a nice rain shower. Daytime temperatures look to be pretty decent for this coming week, but the overnight temperatures will be cool, like in the 40s. And this is where things can get a little dicey. This cold front may... Um, might cool things off down to like 45 degrees and you know that really isn't too chilly and it won't kill our plants but 
When temperatures drop below 50 degrees, it can affect cold sensitive plants like tropicals and warm season plants. If you have some cold tender plants like tomatoes, peppers, squash, beans, you may just want to be ready to protect your veggies just in case the temperature drops a little more than expected. Who really knows what will happen um, in the springtime? Just like hot weather causes issues, cooler weather also causes temperature stress. In the spring, our main concern with temperature changes is with flower and fruit setting. Tomatoes and peppers like to be warm. They like to be cozy. All of our summer veggies are warm loving plants and they do best when soil and air temperatures are between 60 and 90 degrees. When it gets below 60 degrees and above 90 degrees, tomatoes, peppers, and all the others don't flower. So no flowers mean no fruits. It's not a permanent thing. Um, once the te temperatures are back in that 90 or 60 to 90 degree zone, um, the flower and fruit. For, you know, folks like me who are just casual backyard gardeners and we really garden for um, more pleasure than really depending on our crops, um, a few chilly nights aren't a big deal. It's not enough to kill the plants, but it can disrupt and delay flowering and fruit setting um, just a little bit. If you are concerned about this dip in temperatures, you can always cover your plants to help retain heat overnight. Placing a sheet or a row cover or even like a cardboard box will trap the heat rising from the soil. This little insulation will keep your plants a few degrees warmer and protect them from the cold. Always, when in doubt, cover your plants. Around my backyard this week, I have lots of beautiful, shiny red strawberries, and they're so delicious. My sugar snap peas are starting to develop pods. The potatoes that I planted are starting to look really great. They are just really lush after this rain. I'm not really sure what's going on underground. I don't know how many potatoes are developing. Hopefully I have lots of them, but the tops look really good. Um, I have lots of blackberry blossoms popping up on, on the canes too. While I was walking around my garden this week, I noticed that my parsley didn't really look quite right. It had been pretty full and really green. And so when I was out, I went over to check on it and try to figure out what was going on. Some of my parsley were nothing but stems. They had no leaves, just gnawed, nummy, chewed up stems. Once I got right up on top of them, um, I saw the culprit. It was a big, fat, green, stripy caterpillar just totally going to town, munching away on my parsley. And it did not give a care that I was watching it. Just kept right on eating. 
Now, part of me did get a little excited. It looked a whole lot like a monarch butterfly caterpillar, but I know they only eat plants from the milkweed family, so I just left the caterpillar alone. I really don't use a whole lot of parsley. It's cheap enough to just buy um, when I need some, so I left the fat little caterpillar alone, and I took a picture of it so I could investigate what kind it was um, later. And once I had a chance to look it up, I'm very certain my hungry little caterpillar will grow up to be a black swallowtail butterfly. Even though the green stripy caterpillar looks very similar to a monarch caterpillar, the black swallowtail caterpillar is very distinct when compared to other types of swallowtail caterpillars which don't have those stripes. Black swallowtails have big beautiful black wings with yellow markings along the edges and their lower wings have more um, yellow markings with just a little bit of orange and some gorgeous splashes of sapphire blue. They are really pretty and elegant and they can actually get to be pretty large, like up to four and a half inches wide. As you can guess, black swallowtail caterpillars are also called parsley worms. Swallowtails lay their eggs on plants in the parsley family, including garden and wild carrots, dill, fennel, and of course, all types of parsley. These are the host plants for swallowtail butterflies. They're called host plants because they are the vital food source for caterpillars to live on. Adult butterflies lay their eggs on these plants because they know the caterpillars um, can't exactly travel too far to look for food. The little eggs will hatch and develop into caterpillars and they eat the plant where they were born. So basically they're eating their habitat. They're eating themselves at a house and home. When black tail or black swallowtail um, caterpillars are small, they actually start out life looking like bird droppings. It's a protective type of camouflage that kind of keeps them safe when they are uh, little guys. Predators don't notice them because they look like bird poop and leave them alone. I'm kind of liking this strategy. Maybe if I looked more like bird poop, maybe people would leave me alone too. As they get older, black swallowtail caterpillars outgrow that bird poop stage and they start to develop those stripes and take on the monarch caterpillar look. Monarch caterpillars are actually toxic. They aren't poisonous to humans, but they are poisonous to predators like frogs and lizards and mice and birds. So they, um, those creatures leave monarch caterpillars alone. Black swallowtail caterpillars aren't poisonous, but by evolving to look like monarchs, they greatly improve their chances of developing into butterflies. When the caterpillars get big enough, they will crawl away from their host plant and find a nice safe place to form a chrysalis. Having a butterfly garden that is 
really means that you're going to have to make some compromises like letting caterpillars destroy some plants so that they can grow into butterflies. And then, you know, you might want to grow extra plants in your garden so that you have some for you to enjoy and some for the butterflies. Those swallowtails love parsley, so have multiple parsley plants in your garden. Keep them in different spots. You, you can keep them in different spots in your garden. You know, just dedicate one or, or two for the caterpillars and then one for you. Then when you find a caterpillar on your plant, you can relocate it to their plant. If you want butterflies to stick around after they emerge from their chrysalis, you'll need to have nectar plants along with your host plants. If you don't, butterflies are going to fly off and they're going to find plants somewhere else, like your neighbor's yard. Black swallowtails, like other butterflies, prefer flat top flowers or plants with clusters of small flowers. Most butterflies or, or other pollinators will try to eat from a variety of nectars, but some um, species really only prefer certain plants because of their shape, color, or scent. Generally speaking, pollinators prefer the native variety of a plant over the improved variety of a plant. Improved varieties are those plants that have been intentionally cultivated for a specific reason, usually like for flower color or fruit production. Native varieties are those that are true to their wild form. It takes a long time for plant species to adapt, so pollinators tend to gravitate to the natives. Yeah, here's an example. If you are really wanting to attract butterflies, then go for native lantana over the cultur cultivated varieties. Um, butterflies are going to be much more interested in the nectar from the native lantana, but you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having both varieties in your garden. Native lantana does kind of grow scraggly and it only comes in orange, so you can find a place in your garden um, for it. But then you can also get the improved variety in a color that you like and just put that plant that one for your enjoyment. So some for the butterflies, some for you. Ultimately, if you want pollinators to stick around, you'll need both host plants and nectar plants. You are listening to Plow and Hose on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you are enjoying my show, I hope you'll go over to www.blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and check out the station and learn all of the great shows and music all coming out of our um, station broadcasting from Taylor, Texas. While you are out on the internet, internet, be sure to stop by the Plow and Hose Facebook page and like and share it with all your gardening friends or head over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the Plow and Hose podcast. If you like the flexibility of being able to play and pause and rewind my show whenever you want, download some episodes and leave a review. It's super quick and just, just click on the stars or leave a few words. It will help others find Plow and Hose and it lets folks know that it's a show worth giving a listen. And I want to go ahead and thank those who have left 
um, a review already. Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that. Since we had the big freeze over Valentine's Day, I know a lot of folks have been busy cleaning up their yards and gardens, removing, um, you know, dead plants and trees and bushes. And as you're out and about shopping for replacement plants, you know, consider incorporating plants that attract butterflies. We really don't ever think about it, probably because they're tall um, taller than other plants and they're harder to s notice the butterflies but there are actually several trees that butterflies really like trees like texas persimmon texas redbud anacacho orchid mexican buckeye honey mesquite those are all pretty trees that will serve as host plants and also be sources of nectar for butterflies while making your yard look awesome. If you are looking for shrubs, some great butterfly nectar plants are agarita, bee brush, bone set, sweet almond, verbena, sumac, kidney wood, and of course, butterfly bush. Butterflies love all these, um, these shrubs. Vines are also another great option for butterfly-friendly gardens. Several of them are great host plants, um, like passionflower vines, coral honeysuckle, and American wisteria. These vines make lovely butterfly egg nurseries. Gulf fritillaries are orange butterflies that love, love, love passionflower vines. If you have plenty of space for a passionflower vine to spread, you know, they get pretty big and they can grow up to like 20 feet long, but they are great host plants and they have really cool flowers too. Coral vine, Mexican flame vine are also a couple of vines that will produce plenty of nectar that will keep butterflies hanging around your garden. I am really partial to coral vine because it attracts all kinds of pollinators. The bees really love it. It has small paper lantern looking flowers that are just the prettiest shade of hot pink. Coral vine is also sometimes called queen's wreath. I really, really recommend this plant. It is such a great an extremely prolific bloomer. I absolutely love it. It takes a little bit to get established, but once it does, it's just gorgeous and amazing. Whether you want to plant an entire bed of butterfly plants, or you just want to plant a few plants to bring butterflies to your yard, make sure your location is a nice sunny spot. Flowers produce more nectar when they get lots of sun. Butterflies will hang out for longer periods of time when they have access to plants that make lots of nectar. If they don't get their fill at your garden, they'll just move along and find plants elsewhere. If you want butterflies to stay in your yard throughout the year, pick plants that bloom in different seasons. Don't just choose plants that bloom all in the same season. Select some that bloom in the early springtime, some that bloom throughout the summer, and then also get different ones that bloom in the fall. Diversity in plants will attract different species and it will make your garden more interesting. 
place taller plants in the back of the bed and plant shorter ones in the front. Butterflies really do not care where the plants are, but by putting the tall ones in the back and the shorter ones in the front, you'll be able to enjoy seeing the flowers and the butterflies if the plants aren't obscuring the views. If you want lots and lots of butterflies, you'll want lots and lots of the same species of a flower. Mass plantings of one species that are the same color will attract more butterflies than if you only had one of this, one of that. So lots of the same flower are going to attract more butterflies. The easiest and cheapest way to plant in mass is to scatter annual seeds like zinnias and sunflowers or cosmos or globe amaranth. Those are great butterfly attracting flowers. But if you don't have the space for hundreds of flowers, that's fine. Just plant a few, but keep them together so the butterflies will stick around longer and they'll hop from blossom to blossom until they get tired of that nectar. Summer annuals are great for filling holes in your garden until other plants get full-sized, but they're only going to last one season, so it'll be important to have other types of plants like perennials if you want to keep butterflies hanging around. Native perennials are great flowers to attract butterflies. Not only do pollinators prefer native plants over the improved varieties, Native plants grow better in the soil because they're um, suited to our soils that we have here in Central Texas. Natives have adapted to our weather conditions too, and they are more likely to be able to withstand the extreme um, heat and drought of the summer, and they'll hold up better to freaky cold situations like we had in February. Some of my favorite native plants for attracting butterflies include Turk's cap, purple cone flower, flower, purple cone flower, flame acanthus, Texas lantana, fall aster, and my very, very favorite, Greg's Miss Flower. If you love butterflies and you want lots of them, then you have to get Greg's Miss Flower. It's really an unassuming plant. You might not even notice it until it's covered with butterflies. Queen butterflies especially love this plant. On first glance, Greg's Miss Flower isn't much to look at. It has kind of lightish yellowish green leaves that are oh, kind of lime green. And they have serrated leaves and it forms a mound and it can get about like three feet wide and two feet tall. You may not even notice it when it's in bloom. The flowers are kind of funny looking. They are a light purpley periwinkle blue and each flower ends up to be about the size of a pencil eraser, but they're flat and fuzzy. They don't have a center eye, you know, like a daisy. The petals are needle thin and they just stick up all over the place. And since the flowers grow in clusters, they look all poofy and they kind of remind me of like that floaty Muppet hair, like 
the Muppets from Fraggle Rock. Greg's Miss Flower is very tolerant. Once it once it gets established, it makes a great ground cover for bare spots in your garden, and it really can take the heat. It blooms from late spring through the fall, but it really puts on flowers when it cools off a little bit. We will have flowers on this plant until it just gets too cold. It's a perennial, so it dies back in the winter, but it returns every spring. They don't have um, a noticeable fragrance, so I don't know what it is exactly, but the butterflies and the bees cannot get enough of Greg's Miss Flower. It tolerates our heavy clay soils like we have here in Taylor and this part of Central Texas. So I absolutely recommend it. If you want to attract butterflies, it's truly amazing how many butterflies that you will get. No matter what plants you choose to attract butterflies, one extra thing you'll want to do is set up a little water station for them. Even though butterflies drink lots and lots of nectar, they still need water. Having a source of water is essential for just about everything during the overwhelming heat of the summer, and butterflies are no different. Butterflies seek out extra vitamins and minerals um, through a behavior called puddling. Butterflies will find shallow puddles and they will take sips um, to get extra nutrients from the ground. Butterflies won't drink from deep water sources, so if you decide to create a butterfly water feature, um, it's gotta be shallow. You don't need anything fancy. You can use a simple plant saucer that you would normally put under a pot to catch the water. That's gonna work just fine. A pie pan can work too. Really any shallow dish will work. If you think it might be a little too deep, then just add some rocks or some pebbles or some marbles that will kind of stick out of um, stick out of the water. The butterflies will land on those and they will use them like little perches and then they'll start sipping the water. Just keep your dish out of the sun. When you are out watering your garden, just give your give a splash of water to the to the dish. Um, you'll want to check it every day in the summer because of evaporation. Um, you can also sprinkle a little bit of table salt um, in your dish um, to add some extra minerals, but you really don't have to. Butterflies are really cool insects, and they're just so delightful. There is just something magical about them, and they bring out a childlike joy in people, even old people like me. I really like having them around. I hope I've inspired you to put in some flowers that will draw butterflies to your garden. Okay, friends, well, that's all I have for you guys today. If you've missed any shows um, this year in 2021, you can find them all on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you find them. So go download some episodes and get yourself caught up. Production.
production assistance provided by KBSR, Black Sparrow Radio. Original music created by Alex Cuervo. Discover more of his music at alexcuervo.tv. If you love plants and gardening in Central Texas, be sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and never miss seasonal information on Plow and Hose. Plow and Hose is written and recorded at my home in Taylor, Texas.